Amen. Let's open our Bibles in the book of Genesis, chapter 11. I'd like to ask our brethren here to stand with me as we give honor and respect to the Word of God. Thank God our redemption draweth nigh. Isn't it our full redemption? You know, um, we know we belong to Christ uh, two times by way of creation and also the greatest of all, the way of redemption, our salvation. And uh, when the Lord created the world, He just spoke the world, everything in it, by the word of His mouth, by the power of His lips. But when He saved our soul, when He has to purchase our redemption, it took Him everything, isn't it? It took Him His whole being. He gave His life's blood. So thanks be to God that our redemption is coming to fruition uh, one of these days. Amen? We know we've been redeemed already, declared righteous. Positionally, we are justified in Christ. We have salvation. We have uh, uh, eternity in sight because of what Christ had done on the cross and in the power of his resurrection. But we are still in the flesh, isn't it? There's still a struggle. But when we, once we get raptured or once um, we get to glory by way of death as a believer, then when we receive our glorified, resurrected, immortal, incorruptible body, then we will realize our full redemption. Amen? So we always need to look up. Amen? Always look up for our God is coming back soon. So let's read uh, Genesis chapter 11. Uh, we're going to uh, study number four in our twenties uh, of Bible uh, overview. Uh, we already studied creation. Amen? And how many days did the Lord created the whole wide universe? Six literal days. So, 24-hour day, literal days. It's not uh, God used evolution to create the world, like theistically speaking. There's not a gap, I believe, with all my heart from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. But God used 24 literal hour day to create the world in six days. Amen? Because the Bible says, in the evening and the morning come, that's the first day, second day. And the word yom in Hebrew is a literal 24-hour day. So six literal days we believe in the young earth. Amen? Theory, not theory, actually. Uh, fact in the scripture. So thank God he created the world in six literal days. Then on the seventh day of Sabbath, he rested and he declared it holy. And he said, it was all very good. Amen? And come Adam and Eve on the sixth literal day of creation and the rest, animals and land and seas, plants and birds and reptiles, everything, you name, you name it, for the first five days. And then comes corruption, Genesis chapter 2. What had happened? God placed Adam and Eve in a perfect paradise, but they were uh, tempted to sin and they fall into sin by the temptation of the serpent and their own pride and loss of the eyes and loss of the flesh. We can find that in Genesis chapter 2. So God has to banish them from paradise and sin brings forth death for the first time ever in God's creation. So we were corrupted by sin, but thanks be to God, there is Genesis 3.15. Amen? The first pronouncement of the gospel that the seed of the woman will bruise the seed of the serpent. Then came cataclysm, you know? Uh, Adam and Eve had sons, Abel and Cain, but Cain killed his brother Abel. Then men, you know, failed to uh, obey the dispensation of conscience. They just did what's right in their own eyes. They became wicked. So there's the cataclysm. God has to judge the whole world with a wide world flood. It's a global flood during the time of Noah. And only eight souls got saved. See it? When Noah, by faith, built the ark and brought uh, a pair of of clean animals and all uh, of God's creation that has the bread on their nostrils. God commanded him to save them. So after Noah, you know, uh, survived the uh, global flood, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were given the uh, command to be fruitful and multiply and be scattered all over the world. But what they did is they did not obey the Lord once again. So that's what we're going to study right now in Genesis 11. So let's read it all together, verses 1 to 6. Just for the sake of time, let's uh, read verses 1 to 9. There you go. We don't have to read the whole chapter. If you're there, say, say a hearty amen. Okay, read with us. Those that are watching with us virtually, begin. 
And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we bless your name. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity. In this cold Friday evening, we can uh, open uh, the Bible and study it and look at um, the first few 11 chapters of our foundation of the origin of uh, the world history. Thank you, Lord, that these are truth preserved, and we need to continue to, to be reminded of these wonderful events of the Bible. And uh, once again, Lord, uh, keep us safe as we study your word. Bless our brothers and sisters in the Lord, friends and brethren who are also joining us virtually. We pray also that you um, continue to uh, speak to us in a special way. May uh, something that will be um, taught tonight will uh, encourage our hearts, instruct us, and also, Lord, um, rebuke us and reprove, reprove us, Lord. And we pray for um, your wisdom upon me, Lord. I'm nothing without you. Forgive all of us from our sins and our shortcomings. And may uh, your word will be magnified this evening. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all be seated for our folks who are here. All right? And we have uh, a slide here of a uh, bird's eye view or a summary of the 26 of Bible study. And from creation to consummation. So I hope we be before we get raptured, I'll be able to finish this <laughs> every joint Friday Bible study of every month. We still have um, 16 more, you know, including tonight. So next slide. Uh, we'll be studying about the fourth sea, confusion, all right? And uh, Babel, the Tower of Babel, all right, means confusion. Confusion, not Confucius, you know, that philosopher, but confusion. It's where we get the word Babel, all right? Or babbling, or uh, another word when you babble, you're, you say something gibberish. Is that how you pronounce it, Rochelle? Gibberish or gibberish? No? Okay. Oh, gibberish or something like that. So, sa Tagalog, parang hindi uh, ka maintindihan, di ba? Parang utal or parang, parang siramplaka, di ba? Hindi ka maintindihan, walang uh, understanding on what you're saying. So, a man without God is confused, isn't it? And only God can help man rise up and make sense of things. We believe uh, that as Christians, uh, it's uh, ironic, with the advancement of technology, explosion of knowledge, amen, with the World Wide Web, with the Internet, and you know the statistic that knowledge is being doubled, wow, every now, what, every year, every two years? Before it's every 50 years because of... Um, all this uh, technology and data. But the more we know about the world, the more we know about society, I think the more dumb the world is, go is going, isn't it? Because without God, man will always be confused. Because God is the source of all wisdom and knowledge. You know, right now in our society, especially in America, there's what we call gender dysphoria, gender confusion. You know, there are these liberal uh, philosophies outside from the Word of God that's actually opposing the Word of God that even teach young kids that you don't really know what you are. You know, uh, just follow your heart. You don't really know your identity if you're a boy or a girl. 
when the, girl, uh, when the word of God plainly teaches that God only made man and woman, isn't it? Male and female, he created, as the Bible says, in the origin of the truth from Genesis chapters 1 to 11. But you know what? Our enemy, the devil, Satan, is, uh, he always likes to do things opposite of God's creation. He always have these counterfeits. So he wants to produce a third gender or fourth gender. And, you know, right now there's not only a, a gender neutral, but there's uh, even like more are coming out, you know. Uh, there's this famous singer, I think uh, her name is uh, Demi Lovato, something, and she claimed that she was this kind of gender. It's just like, I don't know where, where she got it from, like fourth or fifth. or So there's a confusion right now when society, when man departs from the truth, from the truth of the scripture. There is also spiritual confusion, isn't it, right now? Social confusion, there's religious confusion. Uh, racial confusion. Actually, there's only one race. It's the human race. Amen? We all bleed blue or red all together, isn't it? We only have one blood, so to speak, because we all come from our first parents, Adam and Eve. We might have different pigmentation of our skin color, but there's only one race, the human race. But you know what? Right now, there's so much confusion about using the racial card just to justify something. And Satan is the author of that confusion and, you know, everything else. So it's where we get uh, the word bab uh, confusion from the word Babel. And uh, after the flood, as we know, God commanded men to spread abroad, replenish, and fill the earth. Isn't it? It's clear commandment. And we have a verse of scripture uh, there, okay? It's found in Genesis 8:17. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Then Genesis chapter 9, verse 1 and 7. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and you be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. So there's no family planning then. Amen? Go and multiply. So that's where they learn arithmetic, you know? Multiply, multiply. Walang division. Uh, may addition siguro. Basta addition and multiplication was the most well-known counting during the times of Adam and Eve and even after Noah. Alright, so in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 9, as we read, mankind rebelled, they did not obey God, and under their world leader, Nimrod, take the note of that name, Nimrod, he decided to construct a tower that would reach into the heavens. Alright, Nimrod, a powerful, mighty man, a hunter, start, you know, leading all the people of that known world in constructing a tower. And we have some uh, uh, slides here, all right? There's like a, there you go. A slide here in the head. Oh, they said that's how he looks like, you know? A fierce, mighty hunter and warrior. Nimrod of old in Genesis chapter 11. All right, and there's that seemingly like a tower, you know? And if you go to another slide, brother. All right, so... If you notice, uh, these pictures that you will see, that uh, when they decided to construct a tower uh, that would reach into the heavens, you know, uh, typically they have like seven stages on those towers. Because they believe during that time, uh, there's only known seven planets that they observed during the time of Nimrod. So they have uh, those seven stages of those what we call towers or cigarette, you know, and uh, in, in those towers, there's that, that uh, outer edge where they could climb up, and on the top is an altar where they can uh, be able to make sacrifice and worship the sun, moon, and stars. So they start worshiping the creation rather than the creator, all right? So that's what had happened during that time. And the ark, as we know, rested on Mount Ararat, or Turkey, 
and several hundred miles east of Mesopotamia in the Middle East. No doubt the three brothers, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, had spoken of their old home, and their descendants decided to travel there. All right? So uh, that's what had happened, as a lot of Bible scholars says. And in verses 2 to 4, we just read a while ago, we saw the phrase, may reach unto heaven, whose top is heaven. Most likely, this tower was made for astrology. It is a humanistic, prideful lunge at making something great of themselves. So what is astrology? It's not the same as astronomy, all right? Astronomy is the study of the heavenly bodies, all right? But astrology is supposed to influence, the supposed influence of the heavens on human affairs, according to the dictionary. The supposed influence of heavens on human affairs. Like, you put your fate, your destiny on the stars or on the planets, you know? But spiritually speaking, it is actually the hidden worship of the heavens, all right? Is the hidden worship of the heavens. Worshiping the creation rather than the creator. Some Christians, sad to say, read their horoscopes and look for signs in the skies. It is a subtle form of Satan worship. The Bible warns against this activity. Because as Christians or every man, they should look to God for guidance. Amen? Not the planets, not the stars, not the horoscopes or anything else, but through God, through His Word, through prayer. You know, we are to look to God for our guidance because the Bible calls Him our high tower. You know, high tower. Psalms 18, verse 2, we can find that. The Lord is our high tower. Isn't it like when you see a lighthouse, it's high, it has its light. And it can be seen miles and miles from the seashore to the sea because it guides, you know, travelers, ships, and, and mariners, you know, not to be able to uh, hit some, some, you know, um, stones and rocks. So it's a guidance. So our God is a high tower, not some horoscope, right? Today, men imagine the eventual inhabiting of outer space, which is contrary to the will of God. You know, you saw this... Um, Series like Star Trek, you know, and other uh, series and, and novels and, and movies about men, you know, um, because the earth was, you know, devastated and it's not no longer livable, habitable. So they start like, you know, making colonies, you know, in outer space, you know. Uh, you know, this famous guy, his name is Elon Musk, you know, he's very rich. And, uh, and also, you know, NASA. They're trying to look for some other form of living creatures outside planet Earth, this blue Earth. They spend billions of dollars, isn't it? Trying to send us a space shuttle to look for uh, some life form in, in Mars or somewhere in other planets or orbits. But you know what? Uh, they're just wasting their money, amen? Because the Bible says that only living things can be found in Earth. Because Eve, uh, her name her name's definition is the mother of all living. So there's only the living humans, living creatures in the earth. You know, so, uh, but you know what? Something good about him, about Elon Musk, is he, he believes in uh, uh, preserving human life. You know, I heard from a good Christian radio that he is opposed to abortion. I'm not trying to promote him. Or, you, know, you know him. You know, he's a good inventor. Um, because a lot of people are trying to, uh, in other countries like China, there's like only one or two child policy, isn't it? Or, uh, of course, legalize abortion here in America, in Europe and everything. Because they're saying that we are so overpopulated. You know, but actually, we, you know, we are underpopulated because this earth can sustain, you know, if, if the government will not just be corrupt and will just really give the citizens, you know, the job and be able to produce and use the resources God has already given to countries. We're able to sustain, you know, the population. But a lot of people, those that in power are corrupt and greedy, so that's why the citizens suffer. And he said, Elon Musk said, that if this continues, uh, humans can be extinct. You know, because, you know, uh, we're not producing any more, 
new generation, new babies because of abortion and everything. And because of the also promotion ng LGBTQ. Diba? Kung totoo kaya yun, ibig sabihin, kung lahat ng tao ganun, wala na magpoproduce, diba? Magiging instinct na ang human population. So, because it's so much contradictory to the word of God. So, something good about him when he stands about that. You know, so, uh, uh, men imagine the eventual inhabiting of outer space. But God made the earth for men and has reserved the heavens for his own purpose. Men today are building a modern day tower to reach into the heaven. There's a slide there, isn't it? You saw that. But no matter where they go in their vain travels, God will find them and bring them down. Look at these three verses. Psalms 115 verse 16. The heaven, pagkapampangan, the heaven, even the heavens, you know, are the Lord's, but the earth had he given to the children of men. So the heaven, even the heavens, the first heaven, the second heaven, of course, the third heaven is God's abode. You know, it's celestial. But the first heaven is the sky, the second heaven is outer space, galaxies, planets, you know, nebula, you name it. But the third heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth had he given to the children of men. Amos chapter 9 verse 2, though they climb up to heaven, thence will I bring them down. See? Same thing that happened here in the Tower of Babel. They're trying, not literally reach heaven, the third heaven, or even the second heaven, but they're trying to reach heaven by their false worship. Isn't it? Worshipping the sun, moon, and stars, the creation rather than the creator. And Nimrod is the leader of that, that pagan worship. But God has to bring them down. Obadiah chapter 1 verse 4, Though thou excel thyself as the eagle, and though thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. So let's shift some gears here. The Tower of Babel has likely been found in modern day Iraq. You know, Iraq is a very interesting place, isn't it? It's like, it's where all the civilization has started, like Abraham and, and the lost paradise during the time of Adam and Eve. So I think I have some slides here. There you go. Uh, some sites where they say that uh, they had found the Tower of Babel, possible sites exist, and it could be one of them featured here. There you go. In Iraq. There you go. I think I have three or four of them there. Um, dried bricks in seven stages corresponded with the known planets of that day, as I said a while ago. It's like pitong ano siya, level. The signs of the zodiac were also found there as well. It was an open door, defiant turning to Satan and the beginning of the post-flood devil worship. God told Noah and his sons to scatter themselves abroad, across the earth, but instead their descendants came together at Babel. So, that dispensation of human government failed because of their disobedience. Remember, during the times of creation, Adam and Eve, the dispensation of innocence, dispensation simply means God deals with a specific men with a specific you know, commandment. So, God said, do not partake of the forbidden fruit, and Adam and Eve failed that age of innocence. They disobeyed God, they rebelled, they sinned upon Him, and they were uh, eyes were open of the truth. They found themselves guilty and naked and ashamed. So they have to be cast out from paradise. And then came the second dispensation, the dispensation of conscience, where man has to obey the God-given conscience, law written in his heart, the sense of what right and wrong is. But man seared his conscience, his conscience with a hot iron, it was callous. He just did what's right in his own eyes. And the Bible says his uh, imaginations were wicked. His deeds were evil continually that God has to, you know, judge them with a worldwide flood during Noah's time. That ended the dispensation of conscience. Then came the dispensation of human government. God says to scatter, replenish the earth, but they disobeyed. They stayed in one place in, and built the Tower of Babel. All right, so it was man's first attempt at the one world movement. Nowadays, globalism, one world, isn't it? It's like parallel, no? Now, now it's one world too. One world government, one world monetary system. We're living in a cashless society. One world religion, the ecumenical movement. Uh, one world digital technology. One world uh, uh, system, you know, that's why... Uh, 
It's all setting up the stage, the, the, the preview, the foreshadowing, because the Antichrist couldn't come when these are not set into places. Isn't it? So he could have control. So uh, don't be surprised that's happening in our lifetime. Since Israel was reborn as a nation, May 14, 1948. So look at Genesis 10, verse 8 to 10. Genesis 8, uh, 10, verse 8 to 10. There you go, I have a... Verse there, it says there, And Cush begat Nimrod, and he began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, Even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalnet, in the land of Shinar. So Nimrod, as we know, is a type or picture of the Antichrist. Because he was the leader, you know, and uh, he presented himself as God, and he was the that priest that brought them to pagan worship of the sun, moon, and stars. He was the great-grandson of Noah. He was also the founder of uh, that wicked place where Jonah was sent to preach, Nineveh. You know, the founder of the Assyrian Empire also, you know. It came from him when he founded that uh, group of people. In Daniel, we see Nebuchadnezzar trying to do the same thing in the, ba the same basic location, setting up a huge idol to gather everyone together as a one-world church. All right? And it will be the same in the end of the world. What a demonic influence there is, is in that region. That land of Shinar, that place called Iraq. You know? Where Babylon, uh, the old city of Babylon, that corrupt Babylon. And the new, uh, future Babylon in the book of Revelation will be there. Isn't it? But it was started by... Nimrod. So, second thing we can see, Babylon was a city conceived in rebellion, the seat of the first great apostasy. Alright? Rebellion. Rebellion. Not just we can see uh, disobedience here, but also rebellion. Alright? We are like Satan when we rebel. Because Satan is the first rebel. Amen? He rebelled against the authority of God when he presented himself by pride that his five I wills, you know, in the book of Ezekiel. You know, um, 1 Samuel 15.23 Samuel 15.23 tells us, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness uh, is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He had also rejected thee from being king. Remember here, the context his soul was given a full command to destroy what God wants him to destroy, but he, you know, kept, preserved things that he thought that he could offer to God as a sacrifice. And God says obedience is, you know, better than sacrifice, you know. Uh, God doesn't want partial obedience or half obedience, but full obedience, all right, to honor him. So he lost the blessing of the Lord because of his rebellion. Isn't it we live in a day of great rebellion? We don't submit ourselves well to authority in our lives. Behind our backs, we do and say all kinds of rebellious things. Like employee to the boss, all right? Spouse to spouse, teacher to students, pastor to the <laughs> congregation, parents to their children. But you know what? God does not tolerate rebellion. He judges rebellion, isn't it? You know, look at the example here. King Saul rebelled against God's direct commandments to him, and he was severely judged for it. He even lost, his, lost the kingdom. He even lost his life in an embarrassing, shameful way. Isn't it? The first king of Israel, the, the chosen king of the, uh, the Israelite nation. Now, not really God's chosen, because David, I believe, is God's chosen. But the Israelite people, the Hebrew children, would like to have their own king as the other nation. So it was um, chosen by men. So submitting doesn't make you inferior, but obedient. Amen? It's an organizational principle to which God works. God has principles and organization. Amen? To make things function well. So we need to take heed and adhere to God's organizational principle. Even Jesus, God the Son, has to submit to the Father. Amen? He said, not my will, but thine be done. Though it's not robbery to be equal with God in Philippians, isn't it said? But he did it 
in humility and humbleness to show us a wonderful example. Nothing works properly without some form of a chain of command. Amen? We are a body with all different levels of functions, and we all answer to different parts of the body as we work together as a church. We are a body with different function, and we need to abide with one another. Christ the head, we are part of the body. So number three, what was God's response to this rebellion? God came down and confounded the language of the people so they could not understand each other. We saw that from verses 5 to 9. We saw here also a teaching about the Trinity, isn't it? God said, let us, let us confound our language. Let us make man out of our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are talking in unity and in harmony. And they were there, all right? God saw the works of man. They were building the tower. I believe the one language spoken by the people before Babel was most likely what we know as Hebrew today. Hebrew today. We say that since, take note, the names given to men and places in the period prior to Babel all have meanings which relate to events and characteristics only in the Hebrew. Personally, this is my belief. All right? So, the things that we read from Genesis chapter 1 to 10, characteristics and uh, places are Hebrew words. So, when the Lord Jesus Christ sets up his glorious kingdom here on earth, the millennial kingdom, for a thousand years, he will cause the people again to speak in one pure language. As we can see in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Ano kayong language na yun? Ilocano? <laughs> I think it's gonna be Hebrew again. We will know how to speak Hebrew. You know? Have you heard somebody speak Hebrew? Huh? Maybe in a Jewish uh, Sabbath, in their synagogue, you hear them, or in YouTube, somebody reading the Torah in Hebrew. All right? It's a fascinating language. You know? So what had happened here? Uh, just use your sanctified imagination when God confounded, confused the language. Can you imagine someone talking to you well, while they're building that tower? It's not complete yet. And all of a sudden, it's foreign to you. They were speaking one language. Now, someone is talking to somebody and it's foreign to them. Or you are speaking to someone, it makes sense to you, but they can't understand. Every time you hear a foreigner or see the ambassador at the UN with their headphones, remember this, it all started at the Tower of Babel, the confusion of language. So this study is not complete without comparing Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost. The apostles preached and every man heard it in their own language. It was a miracle, isn't it? It was something great that God had to use that to spread the good news that the Messiah had come. The Messiah had died for the sins of the world and He resurrected. And God used the day of Pentecost for the apostles to preach that great and wonderful message. And everybody, the Jews who are coming from all over the world, heard the word of God, the message of the gospel in their own particular language. Even though the apostles were speaking maybe in Greek or in Hebrew, but they heard it in different language. They were given that gift. Amen? So let's compare Babel and Pentecost. Okay, in Babel, sinful men gather in their own name to make a name for themselves, isn't it? to put themselves in pedestal, to worship the creation rather than the creator. But in Pentecost, saved men gather in the name of Jesus. What a difference. In Babel, God confounds the language. But in the Pentecost, God clarifies the language. Amen? Because God is doing a mighty work. Those people who got saved, 3,000 people that got saved and baptized, when they went back to their own places, they start also preaching the gospel what they receive. So in Babel, God scatters men. In Pentecost, God gathers men. And they were able to hear the gospel and they were saved. This caused them to separate when they cannot understand each other to different areas of the earth. You know, God has to confound their language so they will be obedient. Look at man, isn't it? So we can see here, this the origin of languages and nation. Like 3,500. 3,500. 
700 languages were produced during the time. And right now, they said they, we have 7,500 language and dialects. Uh, we had a, a speaker here last Wednesday who ministers to tribal places, isn't it? And he said those 20 tribal dialects, so that's part of the 7,500 now. But during this time, at least 3,500 were uh, Produce languages and dialects that scattered all over the world. So we have used the words confusion and rebellion to characterize these people. Let me add another word and we'll end with this. Pride. Also pride. You know, there's a story here of a little boy who was uh, overheard talking to himself as he strutted through the backyard wearing his baseball cap and toting a ball and a bat. I'm the greatest hitter in the world, he announced. Then he tossed the ball into the air. Swung at it, then he missed. Strike one, he yelled. Undaunted, he picked up the ball and said again, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. He tossed the ball into the air. When it came down, he swung again and missed. Strike two, he cried. The boy then paused a moment to examine his bat and ball carefully. He spit on his hands and rubbed them together. He straightened his cap and said once more, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. He swung the ball up high. He tried to hit it. But he missed again, and he said, strike three. Wow, he exclaimed, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> what a prideful boy. <laughs> if he can be the greatest hitter in the world, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. Pride is always a deadly virus, isn't it? That will eat away at us emotionally and spiritually. It is a great deceiver. Pride has destroyed more marriages and churches than any other thing. Nimrod here was attempting to build a world empire without the blessing and direction of God. So pride, first and foremost, will affect our worship. Look at that phrase, whose top will reach up to heaven. This tower was a ziggurat, as I said, and we saw some pictures a while ago. Uh, a ziggurat is uh, a tower with a runway or stairs that went around the edge up to the top. At the top of these towers, which are commonly found in ruins of that area, there was an altar used for pagan sacrifice. So here's the, they sacrifice even children, babies. They sacrifice animals. They sacrifice humans unto this false pagan worship. So pride affects our worship when we try to impress God or others with our goodness. Isn't it? God is no respecter of persons. We must be careful not to take on the attitude of the Pharisee in the temple. Being active in the service of God is a privilege. Amen? God loves us and wants us to use, wants to use us in His service, but He doesn't need us. If I walk away from His service today, you know what? He will raise up another to take my place. Same thing to you. As we hear, it says there's nobody, you know, dispensable in the work of God. God can replace you and me. He can put somebody better if our heart will be full of pride. And God doesn't need us, but it's a privilege to serve God. Amen? It's a privilege to be part of His work, to contribute something to His kingdom. You know, pride affects our worship. I cannot worship God with a spirit of pride. That's why Psalms 101 verse 5 says, Him that had a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. Him that had a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. The word suffer here means to endure or in our words put up with. God will not put up with with somebody that is full of pride. Prideful. So second thing, pride also will affect our view of life. All right. When they make this statement, this phrase, let us make us a name. When these people working on the Tower of Babel, let us make us a name. Every person who has attempted to be a world ruler or who wants to make themselves a name, they have always been defeated, isn't it? Every person who has attempted to be a world ruler, ruler has been defeated from Nimrod, to Nebuchadnezzar, to Hitler, to Stalin, and even the Antichrist in the end times. Destruction and judgment from God is promised to the one with this attitude. 
prideful, arrogant, proud, you know? Um, you know what's happening right now, isn't it? There is a, a leader in the far north that's full of pride. You know, he doesn't want to, uh, this nation to, to be a member of NATO, and, and this nation is really rich in a lot of things, you know? And actually, a lot of nations are using this nation as a money laundering nation. You know, but uh, of course, he doesn't want to respect the citizens' uh, right to be free and everything. And we pray for the Christians there. We pray for the Americans. We pray for everybody there that the Lord will keep them safe. But it's happening right now, as I said before the beginning of this message, because we're living in the end times. You know, Gog and Magog, Russia, are part of the end time prophecy. You know, those nations, confederate of nations, those godless nations that will try to invade uh, God's chosen nation, Israel, uh, together with China in the east or uh, and Iran, Persia, isn't it? It's trying to get a uh, hold of uh, nuclear power. And all these things are just falling into its place. The world is not falling apart, amen? But the world is falling into its place according to God's timetable and his sovereign rule. So, you know, it, it can be... Uh, uh, worrisome, you know, people can be fearful, but you know what? When we read the Bible and we believe what God says, it's just telling us that the Word of God is true. The Word of God is true. So we see here that it will also fail, you know, those who try to be world leader without the blessings of God. But aren't you glad Christ is coming soon and establishes eternal uh, millennial reign? I'm supposed to say millennial reign, and it will be what the world is waiting for and looking for. A true leadership, just and righteous, prosperity and peace will be known. Amen? And everything that was promised to Israel will be given to them, literally, in a kingdom, and will be part of that as believers. Depending on your faithfulness and your stewardship, you'll be rulers, and you will reign with Christ. So we're not missing out a lot. Amen? Thank God for that coming time that there will be this world leader, righteous and just. And he will rule the world uh, as an iron with, with its footstool, as the Bible says. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back again. So pride. Sometimes we take credit for things that we should not. It's like the beaver who told the rabbit as they stared up at that immense wall at the Hoover Dam. When he said, no, I did not actually build it myself, but it was based on an idea of mine. <laughs> what? A proud beaver, all right? Mean beaver. Pride will cause a great deal of envy and division. Every affair starts because someone thinks they deserve a better spouse than they have. You see what pride does? It causes division, destruction, and dismay, isn't it? Lastly, pride also will result in the very thing we want to avoid. So what happened? That phrase, lest we be scattered. The people says under the leadership of Nimrod, let's build a tower who might reach heaven so we will not be scattered. When they have the plain instruction, plain command from God to scatter, to spread. Because God knew the heart of men. If they are united in false worship, if they are united in false belief, they'll be doomed. That's why God is saying, scatter all over the world and multiply and replenish the earth because God has known the heart of men. Remember, during the times of Noah, every man, the whole world's heart is corrupt. Imagination and heart is wicked. And God doesn't want that to happen again. That's why he said to them, scatter. But they disobey and rebel, build a tower. So pride will result in the very thing we want to avoid. You see, in verses 5 to 8, in Genesis chapter 11, we see here God's power is greater than man's pride. So what is the answer then from this sin of pride, this ill effects of pride? You know, what are they again? You know, it will affect our worship. It will affect our view of life. It will result in the very thing we wanted to avoid. What is the answer then? Humility. Amen? Humbleness. Look at this few verses. Proverbs 29, 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Amen? A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold 
the humble in spirit. James 4.10 in the New Testament, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, He shall lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, He shall lift you up. The, knows, the Lord knows the time and place where He can lift you up. Just wait for it. Don't lift up yourself. Amen? Because the Lord says, you will be abased if you do that. Let others, you know, praise you <laughs> or the Lord, not yourself. You know what? Humility is necessary for salvation, isn't it? You know, faith and repentance go in hand in, hand in salvation. You know? When you repent of your sin, you humble yourself before God. You recognize your loss and sinful condition. You recognize that you cannot save yourself. That's why you have to repent of your sin. You have to change your mind against that sin and toward, turn towards God 180 degree. You know? And it can only happen when there is humility and humbleness. A man can never be saved without humility. You know? Uh, a person who thinks that they are moral and religious and good enough, they cannot really make it to heaven. Like, like Nicodemus, isn't it? He thought he was moral, he's a Pharisee, he's a master of the law, but God said you have to be born again. You have to recognize you are still lost, you're still sinful, you fall short. No one has been saved by demanding that God let them into heaven. No one can climb up or make their own way in. You have to recognize in humility and humbleness that you fall short of the glory of God. Also humble Yourselves to accept God's will for a church home. Humble yourselves to serve God where He leads. Humble yourselves in your marriage and watch it improve. You know, when husband and wife submit themselves before the Lord and they submit one to another, it's not only the wives submitting to the husband, you know, because you read that in the scripture in the book of Ephesians, but both submits unto the authority of God and both submits lovingly to one another, then the marriage can improve and can live and last harmoniously. Isn't it? And God can be glorified. See? The cure for pride is humbleness. Humbleness. So here, the Lord humbled these people. He confounded their language. They scattered. And after that, God has to call a family by the name of Abraham to start his nation where he will give the word of God and the commandments. And in him, the Messiah and his lilies would be born. And that will be our study next month, the call in Genesis chapter 12. All right, let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you for listening tonight. Lord, thank you for this uh, lesson that we studied um, about confusion. And thank you, Lord, that because of thy word that we have in our hands right now, we are given, Lord, some solid truth. Um, we cannot be confused anymore, Lord, because we have the Holy Spirit of God that guides us in all truth, in understanding. It's just for us, our accountability to study, to read, and meditate, and ask the Holy Spirit for guidance and your help, Lord, in understanding what you want us to know. Thank you, Lord, that you still uh, were gracious, Lord, in every dispensation, and uh, you saw fit, Lord, to um, not judgment during that time with utter death, but you just confound their language and let them, Lord, scatter all over the world. That's why nations were born. And uh, eventually you called Abraham of the order of the childish and you zero in, not for not the whole world now, but you zero in into one man to start a family and continue the lineage of the Messiah the one that was promised all the way from the beginning, Genesis 3.15. Lord, we thank you for your marvelous plan. Thank you, Lord, also that tonight, even though there's a part in the world that's suffering, there is uh, war, there is uh, loss, there is uh, animosity, and uh, there is also some unification right now in some countries in trying to, Lord, uh, stop this. And uh, in our viewpoint as Christians, Lord, as we look at the lenses of the scripture, we should never be surprised, Lord, that these are happening. Because you say in your word that uh, we are living in the last days. These are like birth pangs 
of a man who is about to deliver in travail the intensity and frequency of the wars and even this pestilence of global COVID-19 plague and uh, that makes the, the world unite is happening in our lifetime and truly it proves that the word of God is true. We can truly depend upon it and you encourage us Lord to just look up, look up and keep on serving you and knowing you and be a channel of blessing to others because truly our redemption is drawing nigh. So thank you Lord for your word which is our only hope, our only assurance and comfort and strength in times of troubles and tribulations Lord. And thank you Lord for the faithful ones that are here tonight who has the hunger uh, to look at your word together. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the truth and truly the truth has set us free. And there are times that the devil will try to um, shoot at us his fiery darts, trying to make us confuse or doubt our, our faith. But when once again we look at your word, we pray, we study it, Lord, we are given the assurance and comfort that the word of God will truly be fulfilled. That heaven and earth shall pass away, but God's word will never pass away. That you honor your word more than anything else. And thank you, Lord, we have a copy of it. We can listen to it, we can study it, we can hear it. And thank you, Lord, for everyone who had put some time tonight, Lord, to uh, listen to um, the study that we have. So we pray that you bless the rest of this evening. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for our your provision, protection throughout the whole day, throughout the whole week. And once again, Lord, help us to be a blessing to somebody tonight and even tomorrow. Bless our activities here in the church, even uh, the ladies' fellowship tomorrow. May you bless the speaker, everybody that would come, and also our Sunday services. And also pray and give comfort to uh, those that are suffering right now, those that are sick, those that are uh, also concerned about what's happening in that part of the world, Lord. And we pray for your wisdom and knowledge and strength for some world leaders who are trying to put uh, an end to this or trying to help those that need help. And just uh, pour out, Lord, your, your blessing upon the country of Ukraine, especially, Lord, though, those uh, Christians that are suffering for their faith right now. Lord, comfort them. Give them your assurance. We, we pray for them, Lord. And we love you and we praise you. Dismiss us with thy blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us. See you next time.